0: Last night, of course, uh, we kept the Passover on the beginning of the 14th, as we've done traditionally throughout all the years and worldwide and so on, Uh, but today represents a difference in what we believed all those years, and we're meeting here on what I can fully believe is the first holy day of the Days of Unleavened Bread. Uh, we don't have to follow the Hebrew calendar. I think you realize that. Uh, Herbert Armstrong did not fully follow the Hebrew calculated calendar. Uh, Some who say, well, we have to follow it assiduously, like Herbert Armstrong did, uh, don't really realize, perhaps, that he didn't always follow the Jewish calendar. Uh, And, Last night marked the first uh, exception to the Hebrew calendar for the church all those years. The Jews were keeping the 15th Passover all the way back in Christ's day, as we saw in the paper that I wrote on uh, the Passover and, and how everything goes, because he and his disciples kept the Passover at the beginning of the 14th, And the 14th, while he was being tortured, uh, was the Jews' preparation day for their Passover that evening. So they kept a 15th and still do. But Herbert Armstrong changed from what the Jews were doing and kept a 14th because he saw that that was clear in the Scripture. So there's the first departure that he had with it. And then, of course, Pentecost, which he, in error, kept on Mondays always, and came to understand later that it should be on Sunday, always, 50 days after the weekly Sabbath during the Passover season. So, uh, the Jews keep uh, Pentecost on Sivan 6th, and it doesn't matter what day of the week it falls on. They're not counting 50 from the Sabbath during the Days of Unleavened Bread. So, all those years we kept Pentecost differently than the Jews. Well, there's two holy days <laughs> that are different than the Jews right there. So, uh, they always go back to Romans 3 and says, Well, what advantage did the Jews have? Well, they, they had the oracles of God. The oracles mean the sayings of God. Uh, the calendar was not a saying of God, except that he directed in Genesis 1.14 that we use the sun, moon, and the stars uh, as a calendar. Uh, The stars, not on the weekly, monthly, and annual cycle, but they do have some bearing over time. So, they had that. So, people say, we have to keep the Hebrew calendar because that's the oracles of God. Well, do they not realize that the Hebrew calculated calendar, as it is today, did not exist until 325 A.D.? that's when, what was his name, I'm trying to say Gamaliel, Uh, Hillel, thank you, Uh, a a Jewish scholar um, modified, changed, reworked, and redid the Jewish calendar. So if it had been whispered to Moses, uh, and that was the correct calendar, How come it got changed in 325 A.D.? Not even the same one they had when Christ walked the earth. So, saying you have to follow that is saying you have to follow Hellel instead of the scriptures in the heavens. So, anyway, uh, there's no argument for the Hebrew calculated calendar. And we observed the Passover last night, beginning of the 14th, just as Exodus 12 tells us to. I'm going to go back <clears throat> to Exodus 12 today. Uh, I was going to continue in the book of John, but this day is very, very important, and we need meat in due season, and I think a, a, a kind of at least a basic review of what we're doing and what was happening on this day is important, because it always struck me as awfully strange through the years that... We would have Passover at the beginning of the 14th, and then the next day was just a work day. You went on about your business, didn't have to put out the leavening, uh, even though you'd had unleavened bread at Passover, and uh, then have a Sabbath starting 24 hours after the Passover. That is not according to Scripture whatsoever. And uh, Herbert Armstrong changed from the Jewish calendar, as I said, by keeping the 14th, because he could see it clearly in Exodus. So he did what the Bible said when he recognized what the Bible said. Uh, I think that's important for those who claim they can't uh, vary from the Hebrew calendar because it went all the way back, and in fact it did not. This is the day uh, that Christ, well, he was taken last night at midnight, and uh, began to be tortured and misused and abused through the night, and then was crucified, and the, the sky went dark at noon, the sixth hour, and stayed that way until the third hour. Uh, he died, and then he was buried uh, this evening. Uh, this day commemorates that. Now, that's an awful lot of important stuff for one day, is it not? Uh, And we have to understand the days that are the most important. Now let's go back to Exodus 12 and see the uh, predecessor of what Christ went through, uh, which God had the Israelites uh, institute or instituted it through Moses here in Exodus 12. He says, This month is the beginning of months, shall be the first month of the year to you. That was in the springtime, abib, nissan. It was a time when the barley was ripe, which occurred in the spring, and that's the only reason barley is used to establish the time of year, because that's when the barley harvest was. It wasn't in the fall. Uh, You didn't have to wait for ripe barley. It had anything to do with the calendar. There's no barley in the heavens. Uh, But (laughs) the calendar is established by the sun and the moon and the movement of the earth in conjunction with those. Anyway, he said, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take them, every man, a lamb, according to the house of their fathers. A lamb for a house. And then, if the household was too small, they could combine with someone else. Verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish. So, uh, Christ was without blemish. Uh, Perfect individual. A male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. We have always used sheep uh, uh, in our symbolism. A very, I don't know that I've ever been served goat, uh, even though I've been served sheep at times during the Days of Unleavened Bread. But uh, it could have been a goat as well, a sheep or a goat. Christ is uh, portrayed in the Scriptures as a lamb, the Lamb of God. Uh, I don't know of anywhere he was ever called a goat. None, none comes to mind. It's always a lamb. So I think that that's probably preferable, but they could do it either way. You shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. Uh, until, or as that's the beginning of the 14th. Uh, And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it between the two evenings or in twilight from sundown to dark. We won't go into all the uh, explanation and and definition of that. I think we all understand it. And they'll take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. The blood was very, very important uh, then, even as it is now. And we reviewed last night various scriptures showing how the blood of Christ is there to atone for, to cover, and remove the penalty of sin, which is death. And here they put the blood on the doorposts to keep away uh, the death of the firstborn, which we'll read about here in a moment. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. So, uh, unleavened bread was used that beginning of the 14th to eat with Christ. So, we have in the New Testament the symbolism of unleavened bread for his flesh and the wine for his blood. He clearly upgraded uh, the symbols to match what he did for us from what it originally had been here. But what we have here is a predecessor, and it all fits. "...eat not of it raw, nor sodden it all with water, or not boiled, but roast with fire his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof." So they were to uh, roast the whole animal. "...and you shall let nothing of it remain till the morning, and that which remains of it, until the morning you shall burn with fire." Uh, Christ's sacrifice is an entire sacrifice for us, and there's no leftover. It, it's there. It's complete. It's whole. It's, it's whole. It's total. Uh, so uh, there need be no leftovers from it. It's there for everyone, but none left over. And you shall let nothing of it remain till the morning. We read that, and thus shall you eat it. Now, this is very important to understanding. With your loins girded, your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. In other words, they were to be ready, even though they had been instructed earlier to stay in their houses and not come out until morning, here they were instructed to be ready to leave the house immediately. To have their clothes all on, their shoes on, Staff in hand, you know, it's like you're sitting at the table with your walking stick in one hand and you're eating with the other hand, Uh, because it was a time when there would be, at some point, great haste. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Mitzriam, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt or Mitzriam I will execute judgment. I am the eternal. It wasn't a death angel or a green fog. It was Christ himself who struck the firstborn. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's where we get the term Passover. He passed over the ones who had blood on their doorposts. You shall not Uh, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Mitzrayim. Now, the same is true with us. Uh, If we have Christ's blood offered for us uh, as a continual sacrifice, then He will pass over our sins uh, under His blood, He having taken uh, death for us, and He will pass over our sins and give us eternal life. That's what grace is, passing over, giving us pardon that we do not deserve. Now verse 14 is a very, very critical verse in understanding that this is the first day of unleavened bread, that last night was the night to be much observed. It isn't tonight beginning at sundown, it was last night beginning at sundown. A night to be much remembered. Well, what is there to remember from last night? The Passover itself, Christ's instruction to His disciples, Him being taken, or going to the garden and up on the Mount of Olives, and there being taken at midnight uh, by the Roman army, and then beginning to be tortured all that night, and through today, His trial and then his crucifixion, and death and burial by this evening. That's an awful lot to remember. Uh, So the 14th is the night to be much remembered. Uh, The next night, as we'll see, they had traveled uh, to Ramses through the 14th, the night of the 14th and the day of the 14th. They arrived there having been awake for at least 36 hours, because they had, well, probably longer than that, because they had the day of the 13th that they were up, and then they stayed up all night at the beginning of the 14th, and then they traveled all day to Ramesses. So they were up uh, 24, at least 36 hours they'd been up without being in bed. Uh, That was a night to have a party, right? (laughs) I'm not ready to party after 36 hours of being awake and traveling and moving and scared. No, that wasn't the night to be much remembered. That was the night to sleep and get ready to uh, get in order and travel out from Ramesses the next day. The night to be much observed or remembered was the 14th, and then the daylight part of the 14th. Because Christ began that whole episode, the beginning of the 14th, was... When all through all he went through this very day is a memorial, and then was killed and buried by sundown tonight. Now we are on the correct time of day here as well. We need to grasp that it isn't something that happened in the Middle East and is already said and done. Right now it's one thirty in the afternoon, and. Uh, He's being prepared for crucifixion at this time, uh, those, those many years ago. So, uh, he will, will have been buried by sundown this evening. Not daylight savings time, but by sunset uh, itself. And this was the original place. I think he was killed right up here uh, at the original Jerusalem, southern Utah, in the Promised Land. So, we are right here observing what happened in this area. But let's notice verse 14. Uh, Interesting, they've broken it down to be verse 14. But this, this context began at the beginning of the 14th, between the evenings, and it hasn't changed. He says, "...this day shall be to you for a memorial." So that's the 14th, it isn't the 15th. This day, they've just uh, he just talked about how they had their loins girded and they'd passed through that night. And this day, beginning that evening and the next daylight portion, shall be to you for a memorial. Well, we never kept it as a memorial. We kept it as a work day. And if, if we happen to have it flash through our mind, this is the day Christ was being tortured and killed, Uh, That's what we did is we had a hamburger or pizza for lunch. Uh, But no, this day is the memorial. And you shall keep it a feast to the eternal throughout your generations. So the 14th is both a memorial and a feast. There are only seven feasts of God listed in Leviticus 23 and Deuteronomy 16, I guess, and wherever they're listed throughout the Bible. Uh, And this day is a feast to the eternal. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. So by law, by the word of God, this day, this very day, is a feast forever. Never did change to the 15th here, did it? Never did say anything about that being a night to be much observed. It's this 14th that is both a memorial and a feast. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel." So he told them to eat unleavened bread, didn't he? The beginning of the 14th. And then that was to continue for seven days, not eight. People dance all around it. There's one fairly large group of people from worldwide that now keep eight days of unleavened bread. So they recognize that the 14th is a day of unleavened bread. So instead of recognizing it's the first day of unleavened bread, they go ahead and and have it unleavened bread on the 14th and continue for eight days. Now, where where does it say that? Nowhere. The first day till the seventh day. Seven days you eat unleavened bread. That reminds me of Ezekiel 45. Uh, Ezekiel 45 and verse 25. I'm going to go back and read that. Verse 25 of Ezekiel 45. In the seventh month, in the fifteenth day of the month, uh, shall he do the like in the feast of the seven days according to the sin offering, according to the burnt offering. So speaking here of the Feast of Tabernacles uh, being a seven-day feast, like the feast of the seven days, that is, the Passover. (laughs) He's, here he's well let's oh, let's go back up to verse twenty one. Uh, that's not making sense. In the first month, in the fourteenth day of the month, you shall have the Passover, a feast of seven days, unleavened bread shall be eaten. So beginning on the fourteenth, you have a feast of seven days, unleavened bread shall be eaten. Not the fifteenth, the fourteenth. And upon that day, Shall the prince prepare for himself and for all the people of the land a bullock for a sin offering? In the seven days of the feast he shall prepare a burnt offering, and so on. Uh, and then he compares the Feast of Tabernacles to that in verse 25. In the seventh month and the fifteenth day of the month shall he do the like in the Feast of the Seven Days. So the Passover is called the Feast of Seven Days. and It's it's called the Passover. <laughs> Uh, we we always separated it. Passover one night and then the Days of Unleavened Bread starting 24 hours later. Not so. It's a total of seven days. That's uh, very, very much established in Deuteronomy 16. I, I know we know this, but this is the day, and I think it's important for us to... Uh, really grasp and understand what we're going through today. Deuteronomy 16, he says, Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover to the Eternal your God. For in the month of Abib, the Eternal your God brought you forth out of of, uh, Mitzrium by night. Now, people don't want to admit that they actually left during the night uh, in Exodus 12. But the cry came at midnight. And we'll, we'll see that in a little bit. And they were told to leave immediately, not wait till morning, but leave immediately. In other words, it was an emergency circumstance, and they had been told to be ready to go at any moment, even though the overall instruction had been stay in until morning. Of course, uh, here we have that they went out by night, not the next day, but that night. You shall therefore sacrifice the Passover to the Eternal your God of the flock and the herd in the place which the Eternal shall choose to place His name there. You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction, for you came forth out of the land of Mitzrium in haste, that you may remember the day when you came forth out of the land of Mitzrium all the days of your life." And there shall be no leavened bread seen with you in all your coasts seven days, neither shall there be anything of the flesh which you sacrificed the first day at even, remain all night till the morning. So here he calls it a feast of seven days and says that they sacrifice the animal on the first day. The first day of unleavened bread as the 14th began and they didn't keep any of it until the next morning some who are not willing to accept the truth say that well some scribe must have messed with Deuteronomy 16 way back that's their way of looking at it now how do I know some scribe must have messed with this to me it fits perfectly with what Exodus 12 says you know, there are scholars today who do the same thing uh, as you know we we change the uh, the bread and the wine to come before the foot washing, just as Luke very, very clearly says it is so how did somebody get around that? well there's uh, somebody who writes lots of papers for the church today uh, and he said, well, Luke wasn't an eyewitness, so you just throw out Luke's account. Same thing they do back here at Deuteronomy 16. Just, you, Luke wasn't an eyewitness, so you can't count on him. Now, didn't Luke say at the beginning of the book that he researched very, very carefully with the eyewitnesses to be sure he set the story straight? And God included it in Scripture now if if where where does that lead you? Where does that kind of thinking lead you? It leads you to go ahead and throw away whatever part of the Bible you don't like you- Luke isn't credible, so you might as well just throw out the whole book of Luke, not just that part that he didn't like because he wasn't an eyewitness and if some scra- and if and if Deuteronomy sixteen doesn't fit your theory then you say, well, some Jew must have messed with it. So we throw out Deuteronomy 16. Isn't there a warning at the end of the Bible, Revelation 22, not to take from or add to? The problem is, Deuteronomy 16 fits with Exodus 12. (laughs) But they don't want to believe Exodus 12 says what it says. So, forget Deuteronomy. I guess we might as well throw out the whole book of Deuteronomy because some scribes could have messed with that. Well, what about the Hebrew calendar? They've messed with it for sure. And it doesn't fit what the Bible says. So shall we throw out what the Bible says in Genesis 1.14 about the calendar because the Jews don't like it? You know, you start throwing out the pieces you don't like and pretty soon the Bible gets pretty thin. A lot of people have done away with the commandments. You know, where do you stop once you start throwing Scripture out? So they threw, or they had uh, seven days beginning on the same day that they killed the Lamb. That's the first day of Unleavened Bread, the 14th. All right, let's go back to Exodus 12. Uh, He said here in 16 that the first day would be a holy convocation. The seventh day there should be a holy convocation. So of the seven days of unleavened bread, you had a Sabbath at the beginning and at the end. And if the 14th is a memorial and a feast, then it has to be uh, the first Sabbath day, the holy day, a holy convocation. He still hasn't changed to the 15th here. We're still talking about the 14th in the whole context. You shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Mitzriam. Which day did they come out? The 14th. And it doesn't matter whether you argue they came out at midnight or at dawn, it was still the 14th. So the day they came out is the selfsame day that is a holy convocation or a Sabbath. So it shows very clearly here that this day is the Sabbath, the 14th, first day of unleavened bread, because it's the same day he brought us out of Mitzrayim. Therefore, shall you observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. <coughs> that is the night to be much remembered, the 14th, the day Christ, died, the day Christ kept the Passover, told us to do it. And then died for us on this day. By the fifteenth, all the big events had occurred, had they not? By tonight, sundown, Christ will be in the sepulchre, in in retrospect, in history. Because this day is perfectly in line with that. So everything important had happened. And when we go back to memorialize, what do we memorialize? Something important that happened that day. uh, Fourth of July. Declaration of Independence. Do we wait till the next day to keep it? No, we do it on the same day that it happened. That's what a memorial is. is a remembrance or a keeping of something that happened on that very day. So this is the day when Christ was being tortured and eventually killed and buried. That's the day that is a memorial. Now he says it right here. Let's go on. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at even, you shall eat unleavened bread. What does that say? What does that say? In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, beginning of the day, You shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month, at even. Well, count it up, from the beginning of the fourteenth to the beginning of the twenty-first. Fourteen through twenty is seven days. Makes it very, very clear what he's trying to get across. And he did instruct them to have unleavened bread at the beginning of the fourteenth, back in, what is it, verse... uh, uh, eight, eat the flesh with unleavened bread. So it all fits together perfectly here if you just simply believe it. So you begin at the fourteenth day through the twenty uh, tw- through the twentieth, beginning of the twenty-first. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. So beginning on the fourteenth, no leavening. For whosoever eats that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. So we ate leavening heretofore in all those years in worldwide on the 14th. That means we were cut off from the church, from God, by eating leavening on that day. That's a, that's a tremendous offense That had to be straightened out. He says, you were cut off from the congregation of Israel if you had leavening on the 14th. So even though we thought we were accepting the sacrifice of Christ, we were cut off from it. Cut off from Him. This, This is serious business. Uh... Let's go on down. You shall eat nothing. Verse 20, leavened in all your habitation shall you eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for the elders, said to them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families, and kill the Passover. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Eternal will pass through to smite the Mitzrayimites, And when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two side posts, he will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in and to smite you. So that's the night of the Passover. A few hours later, the firstborn died. And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to you and to your sons forever. Well... Verse 14, he had said that that was a feast, the 14th, and an ordinance forever. So the night that the firstborn were killed was in an ordinance forever. And it shall come to pass when you come to the land which the eternal will give you according as he has promised. You shall keep this service. And then you explain it to your children. It's the day that he delivered our houses verse 20 and it came to pass at midnight that the eternal smote the firstborn of Egypt well that's the 14th again and Pharaoh rose up in the night verse 30 he and all his servants and all the Mitzriumites there was a great cry in Mitzrium for there was not a house where there was not one dead and he called for Moses and Aaron by night not daytime by night and said rise up get out of bed they weren't in bed But he told them, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Eternal as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds and bless me too. And they were urging upon them they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We be dead men. So they grabbed their kneading troughs and put them on their backs and took off, grabbing... uh, "...things from the jewel, silver and gold and raiment and so on as they went, and they spoiled the Egyptians. And there were about 600,000 of them, and a mixed multitude went up also, that is, men, beside children and women. Uh, and they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they brought forth out of Mitzrium, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out and could not wait." Neither had they prepared for themselves any food. So it was 430 years after they had come into Mitzrium, when Jacob had come down, and it came to pass, at the end of the 430 years, even the self same day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Eternal went out from the land of Mitzrium. It is a night to be much remembered. So the, day, the night they left... Went out by night, on the 14th, that night. And it is a night to be much observed, the eternal, for bringing them out from the land of Mitzrayim. This is that night of the eternal to be observed of all the children of Israel and their generations. Notice he hasn't mentioned the 15th yet. He hasn't said a word about the 15th. He's talking about that night that they were thrust out, that they were told, leave now. And that is the night to be much observed. Why? Because it's the important night of the year. It was the night that Christ would be killed or would be taken to be killed on this day. So they were fleeing for their lives at a time when Christ was having his life sacrificed for us. So the parallel is is perfect there. Their lives were threatened, were they not? He said, if you don't get out now, we'll kill you all. And with Christ, this is the day that he died for us all. Same day. Fourteenth is a night to be much remembered. Not tonight. Why would you? Let's look at this emotionally for a moment. If you were one of the disciples and you were there at that final Passover that we observed last night. And then you watched Christ go out and sweat blood while you slept. And then in the middle of the night, here comes a legion, an army, with Judas who had betrayed him. And they realized Judas for what he was finally. And then he was taken to be tortured. And then go to trial, and then be crucified. And they were so horrified and so scared that they wouldn't even recognize who he was. And the the rooster did crow three times, and Peter realized, oh, what have I done? I fulfilled what Christ said I would do. And then they watched him from afar, wouldn't even come up close, watched from way back him hung on that stake, And watched what all they did to him and how they rammed a spear into him finally, and he died. And then he was taken down off that. And this is the man that they'd followed for three and a half years and recognized as the Lord. Taken down off the stake, taken and buried. Now, what kind of a mental attitude would you be in at that point? It would be a very, very sad, mournful day. So, as soon as he's buried, let's have a party. <laughs> Is that fit? I don't think so. Just as those people had been up all day the 13th, kept the Passover, and were nervous and scared that night, and then at midnight, a cry came and they were to flee for their lives, <clears throat> they fled all the next day to Ramses, and gathered there. And having been up at least 36 hours, they weren't ready to party. They were tired. They were shot physically. They could barely put one foot in front of the other to get to Ramses. They were ready to go to bed. So emotionally, they weren't ready to have a party. And neither were the disciples. When they had seen everything that had occurred in the past 24 hours... They weren't ready to have a night to be much observed and have a party and talk about how we're going out with a high hand. No, they'd gone out with a high hand the night before. God had killed all the firstborn, but not of them. And they were able to take jewels and gold and and apparel and the the wealth of the Mitzriamites and uh, leave with a high hand with God's deliverance that night. The next night, they were shot. They slept. Next morning, they lined up uh, in rows, (coughs) got all organized, and then left Ramses uh, the second day, not the first day. So they actually were gathering in Mitzrium on (coughs) the first day, and then began their march out in a formal way the next day. Now, isn't it the same with us? Where is it here? I think that's in Deuteronomy 16. Yes. Let's go back there for a moment. Because it talks about the days of unleavened bread beginning on the night that they sacrificed the lamb, right? So that was the first of seven. Now notice down here, uh, verse 6, But at the place which eternal shall choose to place his name, and there you shall sacrifice the Passover, at even, at the going down of the sun, uh, at the season that you came forth out of Mitzrium. And you shall roast and eat it in the place which eternal your God shall choose, and you shall turn in your morning and go in the morning and go to your tents. Now, notice verse 8. This is very interesting. Six days shall you eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a solemn assembly to the eternal your God. You shall do no work therein. Now, to this point, in this context, they had observed the first day, right? That was the first day, the night that they killed the lamb. And then they were to keep it six more days. And the last of those six, the seventh day, would be another Sabbath. (coughs) So actually, you could write it down as one plus six. One plus six. The first day, then have six more days. Well, what is the symbolism? The first day is what? Christ making a way out of sin. The first day of unleavened bread is not about us. It is about Christ for us. So, he paid the penalty for sin on that first day. Now, they were to gather in Ramses and begin their march on the second day. Well, what do we do? We observe the Passover which made it possible to put sin out. And then the next six days, what's the number of man? Six the number of man. For six more days, we do our part. Christ did His part on the first day. Then we do our part the next six days of beginning to concentrate on putting sin out of our lives, of leaving sin behind, even as they traveled from Mitzrayim to get out of the country, and they hadn't crossed the Red Sea until the seventh day. So they were still in Mitzrayim, just as we, beginning sundown tonight, will still be prone to sin. Now, the penalty of our sin has been paid on the first day. But he tells us to continue to get out of sin the next six days. So, Christ's job, God's job, was the first day. Our job is the next six days. Keep putting sin out. We don't really think about it that way, do we? That we are putting sin out of our lives on the first day? No, we don't. Our concentration, our focus is one quite what Christ did the first day, right? I don't come to Passover intent on me putting sin out of my life. I come to Passover intent on Christ's sacrifice that forgives my sin. The first day is all about Him and what He had to do for us. Then, the next day, I begin thinking more about what I need to do to get sin out of my life because we're not supposed to continue in sin. So it's really a a one plus six. Christ and then us the next six days. So it's a total of seven. And that is the perfect number to have. The Feast of Tabernacles is counted in a, a very similar way. You have seven days of the feast, but then we have the last great day, the eighth day, tacked on. So the Feast of Tabernacles is seven plus one. Passover is really one plus six. Feast of Tabernacles is seven plus one. The the, eight, the eighth day, the last great day being added. Uh, The day after the feast is done is a separate feast, the eighth day. And that really answers Leviticus 23, verses 5 through 6. The only scripture that is any enigma whatsoever uh, in the way we're keeping things now, where it says that the... Well, let's go back there. Leviticus 23... uh, And here I want... uh, talks about the Sabbath in verse 3. Six days shall you labor, and the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. These are the feasts of the eternal, verse 4. Even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim uh, in their seasons, apparently is not even in there. In the fourteenth day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. So that coincides perfectly with what we've been saying and reading up to this point. On the fifteenth day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. To the eternal seven days you must eat unleavened bread. The first day, a holy convocation. Well, we learned in Deuteronomy 16 that the first day was the day they uh, killed the lamb. so that was the first day. It was a holy convocation. Uh, But the fifteenth is a separate feast, The Passover itself is a feast. Didn't we read that in Exodus 12? It is a feast and an ordinance forever that day, the 14th day. So the 15th then begins the last six, as we just saw in Deuteronomy 16. The first day plus six more is a total of seven. And if you look at this verse in that context, then it makes sense. the first month at even is the Passover and it's the day that you did the lamb it's the day you keep as a feast and an ordinance forever and then you have six more days for a total of seven this one is a little bit uh, cloudy or enigmatic but nothing else is every other place that we talk the Bible talks about the Passover uh, is very very clear Exodus 12 is very clear It says, beginning the 14th, you keep it till the beginning of the 21st. That's seven days. Not a Passover plus a skip a day, and then have seven more for a total of eight. It's not there. Not what it says. Until the beginning of the 21st. So you don't keep the 21st. 14 through 20 is seven days. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. That's 7. Beginning of the 21st. So it all fits together. Now let's go on down. He calls in in, uh, Exodus 12, 43. The Eternal said to Moses... And Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof, and you had to be circumcised, and so on. Uh, verse 51, and it came to pass the selfsame day that the Eternal did bring the children out of Israel out of Israel, or children of Israel out of the land of Mizriam by their armies. So that's the day he began to lead them out, the selfsame day, the fourteenth. And the Eternal spoke to Moses, saying, Sanctify uh, unto, unto thee, uh, I had something marked out here, all the firstborn, whosoever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of men and of beast, it is mine. Now, he says the firstborn of Israel are his. Now, what night did he kill the firstborn of Egypt who were not his. Night of the 14th. So the 14th then was the night that he killed the Mitzriamite firstborn, and it is the same night that memorializes that his children, the firstborn of Israel, are his. So he says to take the firstborn, And it's his. And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Mitzrayim, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Eternal brought you out from this place, there shall no leavened bread be eaten. This is the day you came out in the month Abed. (coughs) So he makes it very clear that the children, firstborn of Israel, are sanctified the same night the uh, Mitzrayimite children were killed. Same day, it was the strength of God's hand that brought them out on the 14th, not the 15th. They had already been delivered from the Mitzrayimites by the beginning of the 15th. They were already in Ramesses and ready to leave the next morning. So the deliverance and the protection from Pharaoh had come on the 14th. Because Pharaoh had said, get out now or die. So they were thrust out on the 14th. Isn't this clear? <laughs> Isn't it simple? I know I went through it back in the 60s and uh, just before Passover. I think it might have been in 67. could have been as late as 68. Because <coughs> I remember where we're living. So it had to have been in 67. And uh, I went through this before Passover because I wanted to do a sermon on it. Nothing worked. If if we kept the Passover the 14th, ate hamburgers on the 15th, and had a night to be observed the 15th, I read this and I scratched my head and I said that doesn't fit. Now I didn't continue to look at it. I just said, well, I'm young. I just graduated from Bastor last year. Uh, what do I know? <laughs> So I assumed that the guys in Pasadena were a lot smarter than I were, and they were seeing something I wasn't seeing. But I I know I remember being confused by it. I didn't. It didn't even remember that right at first when we started studying into this. But then I thought back on it later and said, you know, that that confused me way back in the '60s, and I I, I just thought I was too stupid to see it. Uh, and then I realized more recently, since we came out here that was, there was a good reason I couldn't understand it. I didn't have all the answers then. I was just confused. And then the answers began to come once we started studying into this. So we're doing this at the right time and in the right way. Last night was a night to be very, very deeply observed. A night to be remembered always. And the same night that Christ was taken and then was killed during this daylight portion of today. So all the important stuff is happening today. It's nearly two, it's after 2 o'clock now, and uh, Christ died by 3 o'clock on this very day in 31 A.D. and uh, then was taken and buried by sundown. So we're keeping the right sequence. Tonight is not a night to be much observed, remembered, and partied. Tonight is a night to understand what Christ has done for us from beginning last evening until this evening, and then to spend the next six days working at getting sin out of our lives. Just because our sin was forgiven by Christ at Passover. Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? (laughs) No, Paul said that's not the way to go. (coughs) You accept what Christ has done for you, that He has removed the penalty of sin, which is death. But we're not to continue in sin. We are to walk in His steps, do as He did, think as He thought, and to bring every thought into the captivity of Christ so that we can work toward living as he lived and lives. He never sinned while he was here, and he hasn't sinned since. And he wants us to be just like him. He doesn't want sinners in his kingdom, okay? We can justify, we can condone, we can overlook our sin, but he wants a perfect bride, now, we're not going to attain absolute perfection in this life. Uh, Paul never did. Peter didn't. None of the apostles did. They still had human nature up till the day they died. And I know a lot of people that I've known in the church of God in the last over 50 years, uh, 60 years, who I believe will be in the kingdom of God. But I've never attended a funeral of anybody in the church of God that I felt was perfect when they died. Not one yet. They all had their faults. All had their weaknesses. All had their wrong attitudes. Uh, Maybe they'd grown from where they started, but they still weren't perfect. Not one of them. And yet we know many of them will be in the kingdom of God. So we'll never attain to utter perfection. But we do need to be working toward getting sin out of our lives these next six days as much as we possibly can. Identify them. We were supposed to examine ourselves before the Passover and realize that we had faults, problems, weaknesses, attitudes still that need fixed. Then last night we had the Passover signifying Christ's forgiveness of our sins through His blood. But now we continue to put sin out. And we can get some of it out, but we can't get all of it out until we're changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Then will victory, or will death be swallowed up in victory, not before. Uh, then we will no, no longer ever sin. Never sin again after that first trump, that seventh trump sounds... And we rise to meet Christ in the air. Then we will have perfection, but not until then. Uh, all those in the past who died uh, aren't there some of them were listed that'll be in the kingdom of God. Were they perfect when they died? Was David, was Abraham, was Moses? No, they weren't perfect. And they had sinned in their lives. And yet they're in Hebrews 11, being part of the kingdom of God. So is Rahab, for that matter. Uh, She must have repented of her life's work. Uh, She was faithful to God and to Israel, and she's going to be in the first resurrection. So nobody was perfect when they made it into the kingdom of God and died on this earth. The only one who was perfect was Christ. But he expects us to change and to grow and not just expect continual forgiveness without growth, because it's unmerited pardon. And he even tells those who flee at the last moment when the abomination is set up in the temple to pray that they be accounted worthy to escape. Well, why would you need to pray to be accounted worthy if you were perfect? So even those who escape to a place of safety will not yet have achieved perfection, They will need to be praying ahead of time that they be accounted worthy, that is, given grace above their sinful natures and the sins that they still possess. So we are here today to commemorate what Christ went through last night and today, and he will be dying in less than an hour from now uh, in history, and then be buried. And we will show him great honor and great respect by making a very strong effort these next six days to become as he was. Let's not just pass over, pass over, and then go on about our ways. We need to be thinking seriously in these next six days about what we need to achieve and overcome in order to be more like him by the time these days are over. So we have our work cut out for us these next six days. It isn't just it isn't just a matter of eating unleavened bread. That unleavened bread only pictures us putting out vanity and pride and self and sin. Uh, we eat flat bread instead of leavened, puffed-up bread, which in that case represents sin. <coughs> it represents it during these days. It doesn't through the rest of the year, but just for seven days, it represents sin. So we eat the physical unleavened bread to remind us to be unleavened spiritually, mentally, emotionally, attitude-wise, in every way. So let's understand that last night was a night to be very, very much observed and remembered as is today. It is a convocation. It is an ordinance. It is a feast forever, to remember what Christ went through on this day. And then six more days, one plus six, the number of man to continue putting man's sin out of our lives.